You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, we were in the book of Mark, and uh, uh, last week, Riz was kind of like almost apologizing for um, since the start of the church being in the book of Mark. And uh, we're only in chapter 4, which we are, uh, I mean chapter 5, this morning, Mark 5. But you know what? I really want to. It's my, um, I like when we go through slow in the Word, especially the Gospels, because there's so much here to learn. And there's, all we're going to do is when we get done with Mark, we're just going to jump into some other book of the Bible. So there isn't any rush to go through what we're reading here. And I want us to really uh, consider, not just this morning, but in our Bible reading, when you're reading at home, to read it slow and read it often. Our Bibles, and to look for all of the, the little gold pieces that are in there. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says that such Things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we patiently wait for God's promises to be fulfilled. So this Bible, God presented it to us to teach us. So when we read it, we're not just going through stuff. And you know what? I uh, became a Christian in 1971, and I've been reading the Bible a long time and many times over, but you know what? There is never a day that it doesn't speak to me when I read. And I hope that for each one of us, that's how you feel about it also. That you love this word, and this word is, is relevant for today. This word is relevant for every situation that's in the world Every situation that's in our life. This morning we're speaking about this man, the demoniac. The man with the many demons in him. So many that they call themselves legion. And uh, what we're going to cover today, three things I want to point out. One is that we're chosen. As this man was, chosen. And the next thing... uh, Riz started last week, and he was saying that about Jesus' authority. That last week, Jesus' authority over nature. Remember, they were in a storm, and Jesus calmed the seas. Okay, and this week, Jesus' authority over the spiritual realm. And lastly, it's about following Jesus and what that truly means. Now, I'll start off with a little story about being chosen, that I was uh, actually was born in Waipahu and grew up in Eva Beach. And I went to a Catholic school. I don't know if anybody else went to Catholic school here. I went to Catholic school from uh, um, kindergarten to 10th grade even. I went to Damien for two years. I went to public school for two years of my life. But if you went to Catholic school, then... uh, you know, it's kind of, it's a little different probably than uh, 
any other school. And you know what? Now I appreciated it. That I'm glad that I went because I actually learned something over there. And, uh, but I can remember that when I was a kid, what would happen at recess time was that everybody would break up. And back then, this is, I'm pretty old already. So back then, dodgeball was huge. So we went on the little court, the dodgeball court. And what would happen, and I'm kind of remembering back that uh, the same guys were always, I don't know if you can identify, the same guys were always kind of like the leaders. And then they would choose teams. So there'd be the two or three or four leaders, and then every, all the other kids, us, the average kids, would be standing around, right? And then they would choose, and how would they choose? The best kids was like, hey, I want Fred. No, you had Fred last week. We get Fred this week, okay? Then it kind of goes down, and then all the middle guys who were kind of like random guys where they're kind of picking, okay, yeah, okay, I'll take him. And then down to the, the lowest class, you know, which that was what I was in, where when they got to the very end, it was like they were going to start the game, but some of the kids didn't get chosen <laughs> yet. And then they might even have like a little fight about the few guys, you know, me, on the side, like, hey, you get butch, you know? <laughs> and then the other guy would go, we, we had him last week. It's your turn this week. Okay, and you know what? In the real world, that's probably how it is. But you know what? In the kingdom of God, that God doesn't choose that way. He doesn't choose the best and the smartest and, and the, great, the best looking or any of those things. That God chooses everyone, as we'll see in this story about this guy. And I'm going to start reading in verse 1 all the way through... Uh, 20, which is pretty long, okay, but I'm, I'm going to try and read fast, Ready? Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1, we're going to read this story all the way down to verse 20, and I'm reading in the New American Standard, um, so just bear with me. They came to the other side, okay, Jesus and the disciples and the group of guys that went with him. Into the country of the Gerasenes. When he, Jesus, got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him anymore. Even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been torn apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him and shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? 
I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea. About 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it to the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. The very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to implore him to leave their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he, Jesus, did not let him, but he said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Okay, this man from the tombs, and as I read this, and I read this many times over and over and over in some different versions, and I'm driving, and I'm thinking about this guy and this whole story here, and how it applies to our life today, as well as applies to what we learned last week about them being in the storm. One of the first one, it says that they came to the other side, and that stood out to me. Last week when Riz started, they left the other side. Remember, and he had the map up there of the Sea of Galilee. And from that side where they came to the other side where they went was, uh, according to Riz, about 13 miles. Okay, so Jesus, in the last chapter, tells the disciples, hey, get all our stuff, let's go in a boat, and we're going to the other side. Okay, so around 13 miles away. And... In this chapter, they're arriving. We know from last week that in between, they got into this storm. They thought they were going to drown. They, Jesus calmed the sea, and they ended up safely on the other side. Jesus specifically goes to the other side. Okay, and if you've ever been, it doesn't look that big there on the uh, map of the Sea of Galilee. But if you've ever been there... It's pretty big. You know, it's a lake. The only lake I ever saw was Lake Wilson, which is not that big. But the Sea of Galilee is kind of like a huge lake, big enough where it looks like a sea. 
And you can see the other side, but that long part, you can't see that. So it says there that Jesus chooses to go to that side. And what it says to me that Jesus, there was probably a lot of places that he could have ministered. And there was places that were nearby, more convenient, would have taken a lot less time, probably been a lot easier. But Jesus wants to go to the other side. And it was speaking to me about that. And I considered, you know, for some people here, I know Riz and a bunch of the other guys, John and Matt and these guys came all the way from California. Maybe this is the other side. That Jesus called them to go to the other side. That he's going to go there. My wife Winter and I just moved from the North Shore to town. And you know what? When I read this, I'm like, you know what? That's what Jesus is saying. And not everybody's called to go to the other side. But you know what? This thing This story here is that sometimes we need to be open to be called to wherever Jesus is going to call us. Out of our familiar places, places that we feel comfortable, which if you consider it, and I don't know if you're like me, I'm that type of person that I like my little comfort zone. And I kind of go out a little bit from there, but not very far. And then I always come back. And I have to have that. Okay? But you know what? Reading this story, I realized that, you know what? This is how Jesus goes. That sometimes he says, hey, let's go to the other side. And that is not necessarily location. But I want us to consider today that, you know what? We don't want to be afraid to let God lead us in ministry in unfamiliar places or even with unfamiliar people. Okay? To the other side. Jesus goes. And it says here in verse 2 that when Jesus got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. If you're reading in the New Living, there isn't that word immediately. But in here, in mind, the New American Standard, it says immediately, which I like that word. Because what that means is that right when they landed, Jesus gets out of the boat and what happens? This guy comes up. So he doesn't have to wait. They don't stand on the shore and pray that, Lord, lead us into some ministry or, you know. They just get out of the boat, which I'm thinking, which, interesting, there's no mention of the disciples here, but the disciples were with them, right? They were a part of that group. So they just thinking not that long ago that they were going to drown. They were all were gonna, the boat was going to sink. Everybody was going to drown. But that doesn't happen. They get to shore. And immediately, who comes up? This guy, the man from the tombs. As soon as Jesus gets out of the boat, this guy comes up. What is it? A coincidence. Right? 
Was it a coincidence that just so happened they land like random? You know what I mean? There wasn't like a dock. If you think about the whole thing, I was thinking about the story last week. They don't have a motor on that boat. They rode and they had sails. Right? So they didn't, 13 miles. I don't know anybody ever, I never rode 13 miles, but I can promise you that probably not easy. Those guys rode, especially in the storm. Now they don't just land, they don't like park it in, they, you know. It's like if you've ever been over to Israel, you just, where the boat ends up is where they land. <laughs> right? So they land. Now, what's the chance? This guy, demon-possessed guy, they land right there. And it says here that when he sees Jesus in verse uh, whatever it is, 6, seeing Jesus from a distance, the man ran up to him. Now, what I'm saying is that there's no coincidence that in the kingdom of God, there's no accidents. That God is a God of purpose. Jesus lands there. This man is right there. And here's this meeting, right? And I'm thinking, man, this is it. Jesus knows. They don't, he knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows that the moment he lands, this guy is going to come. He knows that guy is there. Okay? I want, I want us to kind of think about a bunch of stuff here too. And, and when you read the story, you see that Jesus really doesn't minister to anybody else. They land the boat. He has this encounter with the guy. Right? They do the thing with the pigs. And then the, the people ask him to leave. Jesus gets in the boat and they leave. He sails over there for one guy. One man. Turns around and goes back. Okay? This man, the man from the tombs. Now when I was reading this, and there's also in Matthew and also in Luke, tells the same story. And I'm amazed that there's so much detail about this guy, the condition that he's in. And it says in all those three stories that it says that this guy had an unclean satanic spirit. Many demons, so much so that they called themselves legion. It says that he was living among the tombs. And I know the living says that he's living in the, the graveyard. But actually, back then, the tombs were like caves that they either dug out and used it as that or caves that were already there. Okay? So that's where he was living, living among the dead. It says that he was often bound with shackles and chains that he broke apart. That he was so strong, the demons in him so strong that he would break the chains and the shackles, so much so that no one could restrain him. It says about this guy in Matthew that he was so extremely violent, no one could pass that way. And it says that he was a long time in that state. It says here that constantly, night and day, screaming, and cutting or literally mutilating himself with stones. 
And Luke, lastly, Luke says that he had not put on clothes for a long time. So I'm reading this, I'm thinking about this guy, right? What he looked like. And he was that way, he was in this town, he was around, everybody knew this guy. He had been that way for a long time. And this is the guy that comes up to Jesus. As soon as Jesus gets out of the boat. And it says here that he was beyond human help. That no one could help him. And actually the way that they tried to restrain him was to keep him bound up. And this man was away from God but not beyond the grace of and love that's in Jesus. Jesus comes there. Looks like in this story. Specifically. For this one man. No accident. It wasn't a chance meeting. It was a divine appointment. Let's look in chapter 4. Of the gospel of Luke. Luke 4. This is Jesus. Describing the ministry. Of the Messiah. Whom he is. Starting in verse 18. Or I'm going to start in 14. Sorry. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues. And was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read. And a book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he opened up the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The ministry of the Messiah is to do what? What he's doing right here. He sent me to proclaim Jesus' release to the captives. And also to set free those who are oppressed. This man was chosen. And in considering that, that there is no one, this guy who you might think, and I read about this guy and I'm going, man, well, I don't think I would want to step out of the boat and deal with this person. But you know what? There is nobody that is beyond God's ability. Beyond the ability of Christ. This man was chosen as we are as believers. And let's jump ahead and look in the book of Ephesians. The first chapter. Probably one of my most favorite chapters in all the Bible. The book of Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. 
It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ through, to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he promised in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. This man and also those of us who believe, the Bible says that we are chosen. Not only chosen, that we were chosen when? Before the foundation of the world. That God chose us before. How amazing is that? That Jesus getting in that boat, telling his disciples, let's go to the other side. Not because he wanted to see the other side. That there was a man there that he needed to minister to. Okay, and when they get there, who's there? Who meets him on the shore? This guy comes running up. Actually, in the story, it almost looks like the demons help him to get to Jesus. Okay? And you know what? For us, I want us to consider that, that as believers, that we are chosen. Not by accident, by God's will. Not because we're so special, but because God... Is so gracious. Just like this man here. In verse 7, back in Mark 5, the demons speak out to Jesus and they tell Jesus, What business do we have with each other, son of the most high God? And of course, the demons, what are they saying? Look, we don't, you know, you don't have any business here. Okay, and up to that point, that man was under the control of who? Satan. And they're telling Jesus what? To beat it. This guy belongs to us. Okay, but I can tell you, in this, Jesus' business is what? We read there, to set the captives free. That's Jesus' business. It also says that the man with the demons ran up to Jesus and laid on the ground, bowed himself before Jesus. And the demons said, have you come to torment us? Also in one of the other gospels, they're saying, have you come to send us to the abyss before the time? And as Riz shared last week, that Jesus has the authority over the spiritual realm. That he's on the top. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Philippians chapter 2. 
verses 9 through 11, it says there about Jesus, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That Jesus has all authority. Right now, not everybody is, wants to be under that authority. But it says here that one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess who he is. Whether you like it or not, everybody is going to do that. With a word from Jesus, this man is set free from Satan's power. With one word. The world tried to contain him. But in this story Jesus sets him free. Do we believe. And I read this. And you know what I was thinking about. That the people that we pass by. And I don't know maybe you're like me. That are bound by Satan. All over this island. Some in Almost as bad shape as this guy here. And knowing this word, I'm going, man, how do I think? Maybe I think like, ah, those guys are, you know what I mean? They're like a noose. They need to be run out of here. But then when I read this story, I go, man, do I believe when I see that person that Jesus can set them free? No matter how far gone that they are. Talking to themselves, you know, fighting with the telephone pole, you know. How, and you know what? I want to think about this story when I see them go, you know what? Jesus set this guy free. Can Jesus set them free? Man, let's believe that he can and it's the same power. Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Verses 8 through 13, the demons get cast out. They go into the pigs. The pigs run into the lake and are drowned. Okay? And I heard a couple teachings about that. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't know why the pigs, you know what I'm saying? I mean, kind of interesting. When I read the story, right, it's like the first thing. You're like, whoa, man, what happened? What, is there a connection? Like, I knew eating pork was bad. Right? No, I don't think that's what he's saying. The pigs are dead. Forget about them. In verse 14, it says that the guys who were watching the pigs went back and told the whole town what had happened about the demonic guy and the pigs, pretty big news, and they came back to Jesus, verse 14, and it says, when they heard what had happened, the whole city came out, and when they observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his right mind, they became frightened, and they begged him to leave their region. 
And actually beg, more than beg, what that word literally means is, is they compelled him. It's like they forcefully made him leave. Okay, now I'm reading this, I'm going, man, why would that make them afraid? you think that they would be happy because this guy who terrorized everyone for a long time, some crazy guy, is now in his right mind. you think that the whole town would be happy. But the opposite happens. And thinking about it, and I'm not saying this is what happened, but I'm going maybe because 2,000 pigs, that was maybe a big business. Jesus disrupted. Maybe it was a business thing. Whoever what the farmers were, they're mad. Right? They just lost their whole business. Then I was thinking that, man, maybe to them, because that's maybe that region was known for, you know, their bacon or something. And that was more important, which I can tell you in this wor- world, sometimes some things are more important than people. So there was this one guy, but you know what? Maybe these pigs, the business, the money, and our livelihood, on and off. Maybe that was more important. So they were mad at Jesus. They want him to get out of there. Or maybe they were familiar with this guy. Even though he terrorized, but you know what? They, you know, they kind of like worked around. Okay, don't go down. You know what? That's what a guy is. Right? It says that he, he wouldn't let anybody pass by a certain place. So what do you do? You just take another way. So maybe they were so accustomed to having this guy around, and they kind of like put up with him, and they just went another way around. You know, he was an inconvenience, but... He had been there for so long. It looks like possibly that they preferred that guy in the demon-possessed state. That was something that they had gotten accustomed to. They kind of got, you know what I mean, like wrapped their head around it and that was fine. But now seeing that guy in his right mind sitting at Jesus' feet just... Made them afraid. Okay, maybe the power there, but I'm going, man, this is so wild, right? They could accept a naked, demon-possessed man who lived in the graveyard. They had kind of come to grips with that, but not one in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus in this town. And they asked him to leave. And let me just say also, maybe Jesus only ministered to this one guy because they had no other faith. They had no faith there. No other ministry could be done. I don't know. Maybe the plan was that Jesus was other people. He was going to be able to help them, but not like this. Jesus ministers to only the one person. The people of the town ask Jesus to leave. And in contrast, the man from the tombs does what? He asks Jesus, hey, take me with I want to go with you. I don't want to stay here. I want to be where you are. Jesus was just the one that set him free. And he's like, 
wherever you go, I want to go. Which makes complete sense. But in verse 18 to 20, Jesus, it says here that he, Jesus, did not let him, but said, Go home to your people and report to them everything the Lord has done for you, how he had mercy on you. Following, this guy wanted to follow. When I first read this, I went, wow, that's kind of unusual. Because you think Jesus would be happy, right? Lord, I want to follow you. So you're going to the other side. I want to go to the other side also. But Jesus says, no. Okay, and it made me think that following Jesus, just with this guy here. Following Jesus means what? To do what he tells us to do. And that's what he does to this guy. He tells this guy to stay. I want you to stay. You can follow me, but you stay here. Because you know what? You're going to be able to do what? Share what things that the Lord told you. You know, how he delivered you. And interesting, the man does exactly as Jesus tells him. In John chapter 17, verse 13, probably one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Jesus is praying for the disciples that are there, as well as praying for the disciples that are going to come. And Jesus is talking to the Father, and he tells the Father, do not take them, those disciples and us as disciples, do not take them out of the world. But as you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. Just with this guy as well as, and I don't know if two weeks ago that uh, um, you were listening to Riz, you remember his uh, thing that he was saying on the core values of reality Honolulu. One is to be the church scattered. Right, That we meet here, but you know what? As we go out, just as he's doing with this guy. That you know what? The Lord is calling him as well as calling us to go where he leads us to our people, wherever it is. On the job, down at the beach, out at the camp out. You know, wherever you go shopping in Costco. You know, that the Lord is calling us in the same way. To go and to report to the people that he brings into our, you know, circle. And report to them everything the Lord has done for you. How he had mercy on you. Jesus sends us back into the world that he delivers us from. To be his witnesses. We're changed just like this guy. Think of the testimony that this guy had. I'm sure he was well known past just that little town. Think of when he shared. And they went, man, remember that crate? This guy is talking about Jesus now. And you know what? It's such an amazing plan. That God changes lives. And then sends people back into you know, different places. To share what God did for them. What can we learn from this story? Do we believe that we are chosen and that no one 
is beyond the grace of God. Nobody is too far gone. That's what I see in this story. Is that Jesus can deliver and help everybody. Do we believe that Jesus has authority in all situations? That's what the Bible says. Jesus' power beyond us, no doubt. I don't have that kind of power, but Jesus does. And lastly, we are called to share what God has done for us. Can our testimony in the book of Revelation, it says that the saints defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And it may be kind of scary, but you know what? We do have a testimony. However it was, we're not maybe as far gone as this guy. But you know what? Each one of us, the Lord has uh, delivered us and brought us out of the pit. That's what it says in the Bible. And let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for this story that you've passed on to us. Lord, to learn about you, about your power, about your grace and love for every single human being. Lord, from the worst to the people that, you know, from the guys that live in the bushes to the people that work in offices. Lord, the richest to the poorest. Lord, that you love and you care for each and every one of them. Lord, and we thank you that your authority, that there is no one that comes close. Lord, that you are Lord. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, and we just ask that you would use each and every one of us for your kingdom. Lord, that we have a word to share with others. And we do pray that we do share that, the good that you've done in our lives. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.